Good morning, Jamelyn. Good morning, Kim. We want to welcome our listeners to One Thing More, Continuing the Conversation. That's right. Yes, and we are continuing the conversation about Sunday's sermon on attentiveness. Attentiveness. Yeah. Are you paying attention to see the burning bush? Yes, exactly. Because exactly. then you can get a something to put it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, I have a really funny story about attentiveness. Okay. So Sunday, Dave and I, well, Dave, you know, gave the sermon, and then at the end he invited me to come up, and he wanted me to talk about my call story and how being attentive is part of receiving our call, paying attention to what God is saying to you. So I was part of the sermon too. So the kids might have been paying attention a little bit more than usual. I don't know. But last night they were trying to tell Dave something, and he was on his iPad playing a game. And I think I heard Nathan say something to him like twice, and Dave's not even like grunting or anything, you know. Finally, I hear Margaret, and she's like, you're not being attentive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so great to be shamed by your children, isn't it? (laughs) They do listen, right? And they can uh, give it back to you when it's most helpful for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were talking about being attentive, and the scripture was um, Exodus, when Moses sees the burning bush, takes his his sandals off. And so... um, yeah, I thought it might be kind of interesting. Everyone got to hear my call story, but I I don't know if you wanted to give a few tidbits oh, of yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for that invitation. My call story. So I was working in uh, the consumer electronics industry, sort of kind of like you, like doing this, this business corporate thing that seemed to not have uh, a lot of intrinsic value to me. So I was sitting, I remember, I was sitting in a meeting, and we were discussing uh, production and distribution of an 80-inch TV. I sort of mentioned that last week. Yes, I said that would be my dream come true. Right on on that. (laughs) I need that to be delivered to my house. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of like, like, first of all, like, who really needs that? No no one. Yeah, and is this really what I should be doing with my talent, energy, time? Yeah. And so I just started thinking about that, and the industry was changing a lot. And so, and I had always been a church kid, you know, so I just started thinking about ways that I might, uh, and praying about ways that I might use my talent in a different way. And uh, really landed on mental health, but mental health in a faith uh, setting, in a faith community, and how I felt like um, the churches I had been at, like, would just show people who were struggling uh, emotionally the uh-huh. church down the street instead yeah. of doing something for with them in their uh-huh. own church. So um, I really um, did a lot of discerning about how to marry those two things. And really, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, especially if the bishop is listening, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I got an MDiv uh, so that I could talk to MDiv types about mental health. So, like, mental health has always been the focus of yeah. my ministry. Um, I'm not sure why that would bother him. We need about 14,000 more of you, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, yeah. I it was interesting because I started um, reading the book Dave talked about Sunday, This Soul um, of leadership. I'm not saying the book right. Will you put the right, the book correct name in there? Notes. Okay. 
Um, and it's an interesting book. I'm not sure like lay people would jive with it. So mm-hmm. far, it feels like it's directed more towards people in full-time ministry. Because mm-hmm. there's even times where, because I'm not serving in a local church and you aren't either right. anymore, it, it feels a little off for me. But she says so many good things about people serving. And this this quote could be for anybody. It could be for Sunday school teachers, just anybody serving in a church. And she said, I realized at one point I was tired of making Jesus accessible and fun and available to everyone else. Mm-hmm. I wanted that more for myself. Oh, yeah. And I think when you start to have those thoughts, mm-hmm. that's the ding, ding, ding that should probably find someone in your office. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, um, I mean, it's definitely... A, to me, it was like, oh, that's that's a phrase of burnout for sure. Because if you felt called to ministry in the first place, and now all of a sudden you're resenting that mm-hmm. everyone else is getting time with Jesus and you aren't. Yeah, yeah, which, that's that's scary. Yeah, for people that work in a church, I mean, we have to be attentive to that, right? Yeah, that we also need to take time away and feed our souls because you can't just pour out and pour out and pour out and not have something being poured into you. Yeah, it, Dave asked me prior to this what were some ways that we that I myself try to be attentive or um, take time to be quiet, and he was really surprised by my answers because I think he sees me as you know very extroverted and everything. And but there are times, especially since I've started Zami Fandwa, where it's been so exciting to me, like everything going on that I really have to take a couple of minutes just to sit and breathe and in some ways like sit in the gratitude of mm-hmm. that I get to do this, that yeah. people have been incredibly generous, that we're actually doing what we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I had no idea you were doing that. I think I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> um, so how do you find yourself trying to be like what are some practices that you do to be attentive um first of all I want to say uh I'm not surprised that you do that but it was funny to me that you were doing the sermon on attentiveness because you know when you first meet you you are super outgoing and right like you don't really meet strangers and you definitely are a strong seven and yes. believe it or not, I am also a seven. Oh, I believe that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, with the with the eight wing though. Me too. So my eight sometimes has taken over. You know, that's our corporate experience. I think too. That yes. Eight, like when we get gotta... so an eight wing is, is someone when they get when a seven gets really stressed, they just want people to make a decision. They operate in telling people They're what like, to do. It's gonna. This is what we're doing because right. as soon as whatever that conflict is gets out of the way. Then you can go back right, and have fun. fun. Right, exactly. Right. So let's get this taken care of so yeah. we can have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, so sometimes I think I have to be really attentive to what is that I haven't had my practice. Or I, what I do is I pay attention to, like, my internal voices, my uh, internal talk. Like, so if, for instance, John was like, hey, you know, we need to get going. You guys are late. It's quarter after already, and I only have till 10, which he would never do, Right. Um, and in my head, I had some snarky comment for him, but I said something nice. <laughs> and I'd be like, mm, maybe you need to like get in your practice because that wasn't kind, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. I, so I notice in my head that I'm like doing a thing that I wouldn't really do out loud. And so I, then I know that I need to create some margin for myself. 
And so like getting up early is one of my things, getting up earlier than I might normally would so that I don't have to hear a TV or music or anything else in my house. Um, Not having sound on in my car, just kind of driving. That's your big thing right now. I feel like you bring that up almost every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, turn it all off. Yeah. And I think I am probably less extroverted than I was before I started doing uh, counseling, like, maybe pretty full-time, because I'm attentive to what people are saying to me. Um, and so sometimes I don't, like, want to hear somebody say something to me. And I need some personal time where I'm not talking or listening. Yeah. Yeah. So just just kind of trying to get that in. Well, I think for everyone, what would be interesting is to talk to someone who does like being kind of living life a little bit more in solitude than Mm -hmm. what maybe two sevens who want to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. You know, Um, because I think that would be in some ways difficult for for people who would lean more towards solitude as well, because you're just always kind of quiet, Mm -hmm. that that becomes a natural rhythm. And I wonder if they have to work really hard in that quietness to hear or listen better. Does that make sense? It does. If, If that's your, if that's your space where you're most comfortable, you know, like how are you attuned to the, you know, small, still voice or the burning bush or. Yeah. Because I don't want people that are listening to be like, well, I don't relate to them at all. I'm pretty introverted, and I like it best when I go to the grocery store and not one person talks to me, where you and I are probably offering suggestions to people. Or, yeah. You know, like that brand's way better than that brand. (laughs) I'm basically half the progressive commercials I've decided lately. (laughs) So embarrassing. Um, And if you don't know what the progressive commercials are – John will put a link to that, too. (laughs) John, you're doing an excellent job. That's one of the progressive commercials. Um, But some people, like I have a friend, she's like, if my neighbor says hi to me, I'm ready to move. You know, like, (laughs) she's like, I want to live in my own space. So I don't want people listening to think. Well, I can't relate to what we're saying. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, you couldn't even say hi. I know, right. (laughs) And, of course, I'm like, why are we not having dinner every night together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, you know, being attentive is really just, it it goes for all personality types because God hasn't called just one personality type to ministry. Yeah, no. I think the biggest shock people say to me that I get is that when they find out Dave is introverted, Uh they're like, how can he be introverted? He's, he Um, preaches, he's on, you know, and I'm like, most, I think most preachers are introverted. Yeah, they are. The ones that I know. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, there's some research that most pastors are introverts and they can... They got enough to like preach every week or be on for that, but they also need to be like, poof. After that, it's nap time. Yeah. (laughs) In the afternoon, yeah. Um, Something else in her book I thought was really fascinating that I wanted to talk to you about because of your background in mental health is I had never thought of this with Moses before. And she was talking about some of the decisions that Moses made early on in, in his sort of young adult life after he had gone he had left his people and gone back to live with the princess and all that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how he um, killed the man and then 
tried to bury him in the sand and all that. So she was talking about how we have to really remember that Moses had gone through tremendous trauma as a child. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that just kind of blew my mind that I'd never, that first of all, I had never thought of that myself. Of course he had gone through trauma, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, yeah, he's taken away from his birth mother and put in a basket and floated down the river and and then returns yeah and is living with people even though they're his people but he doesn't know them and they don't know him and they probably know the arrangement right mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. he's only here for a little while yeah then he goes back where and there had to be some resentment on their part right uh, like oh, I he's lived think. this charmed life they at least th- their perception of it is that he's lived this charmed life in the palace and they've been in slavery Right. Well, now you're jumping ahead, but I'm even just thinking about how he goes from living with his people back to the palace, where I bet in the palace he was not well received. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this princess, like, who are you to bring this strange baby in? Who's a Hebrew, by the way. Yeah, and make us take care of him. Yeah. I think it's fairly interesting. Mm -hmm. So by the time, now skipping ahead, what you're saying is, and then he's given the you know, the decision that he's going to lead these folks, and they're like, you're not really one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think the whole thing is kind of fascinating I, because I just never thought about the trauma that he probably went through in his everyday life as an adolescent. Uh-huh. Yeah, and an outsider. Because that's an outsider. kind of when you notice that, right, as an Oh, my adolescent. gosh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about that either. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, poor Moses. I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, she mentioned that in her book. I thought that was kind of... Yeah, wasn't he a stutterer? I'm sure he would have been. I think, yeah, that makes sense too, right? Oh, right, because that's why Aaron spoke for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he goes back and he kind of sees how his people are living. Mm-hmm. You know, they're slay, you know, and some of them are would rather stay that way yeah. because that was something they understood and they knew yeah. versus, you know... I'm sure it was a fascinating Yeah, it's generational transition. trauma, it's personal trauma. Class. Yeah. I mean, there's it's all in there, people. Yeah. Read Exodus. It's really <laughs> exciting. The Bible, yeah, has a lot going on. It does. It makes, yeah. like, Dynasty, that old show, oh, yeah, yeah. look like it's nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you guys are talking about watching Grey's Anatomy season after season after season. Well, the Bible's got it all. It it has it all. I'm thinking of, I'm watching um, the newest season of Ozark. Oh, don't even, girl. <laughs> we just watched the like, second episode. <laughs> now is when we will turn this conversation to an Ozark wrap-up. <laughs> Speaking of. Talking like, about childhood trauma. Yeah, and crazy twists Woo! and turns, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, we... Yeah. Um, we are two episodes in, and and it is not something we can binge. Mm, we watch mm-hmm. one, one and then I'm like, too. I'm going to need to watch yeah. a Friends now to cleanse yeah. the palate. Exactly. It's very intense. <laughs> exactly. Very intense. Yeah. Um, and kind of confusing right now just by the by. So if anybody wants to send me a message and help me understand exactly what's going on, that'd be great. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah. How do we yeah. get on Ozark? Um crazy Bible stories. Crazy Bible stories. There's nothing in real life that isn't uh, already been told about in the Bible, right? right? So we um, talk about practices to kind of end our time together. Um, Yeah, so we talked about silence and quiet. We talked about frugality, which I kind of really tend to think of as 
more about more about sharing and being generous with right. what you have. Like I was, I have a a plaque in my dining room. It says, "When you have more than you need, make your table longer, not your fence higher." To me, that oh, says a yes, lot about not that. being frugal, like sharing what you have. That's because frugal. I don't know. It sounds very pejorative to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, attentiveness. Right. Yeah. So for people that are right now really maybe wrestling with something, you know, they, and the other thing I want to make clear is we are talking out of our own experience, which is being called to ministry, but people are called to all kinds of stuff that have, don't have a steeple involved. Absolutely. You know, someone might be feeling called from one profession to another, or Mm -hmm. someone might be called from working to staying home or staying home to working outside the home, you know, like... There's all different ways that you can be called. I think the, the point I would want people to hear is that I truly believe that God wants all of us to be living a joyful and whole life. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing something that's cutting off the joy in your life or something that is breaking you down regularly, mm-hmm. then I think that's the moment in your life where you take a step back and you start to become attentive to what are those things in my life that are creating chaos, that are keeping me from the joy and wholeness? And then that's when you have to really become attentive to what God is going to offer you. For some, it might be like offering you a path out mm-hmm. of that, or it might be that God's offering you a path into something new. So being attentive isn't just about like, well, I don't really want to be a pastor yeah. You know, and I don't suggest it to everybody. Right. <laughs> but it <laughs> could be something not. else. Yeah. I think you're right about being uh, when you, I think that God has a way of, through the Holy Spirit, making you pretty uncomfortable in whatever it is that you're doing right now. Like, you know, on Sunday you start, you know, being, regretting, like, it's Monday, I've got to go to that job again. You know, I've got to go to work. So already, Monday has invaded your Sunday um, because you don't want to, like, you're already thinking about what you don't want to do there or how uncomfortable or how much you dislike the place or the values of the organization. And so I I think God has a way of making us real uncomfortable when it's time to move. And I think that's about not trusting that God has already opened the next door for us and that the thing is out there if we're just willing to be faithful and take that step toward it, that God has got us covered you know, when we get uncomfortable and that calling is happening. And it God needs us everywhere, yeah, not just in the right. church, mostly outside of the church. Right. Uh, so definitely a call is not about religious vocation necessarily. Yeah, there have been times, I mean, I'm definitely, don't get me wrong, I'm so happy that I took the path I did. Mm-hmm. But right as I was finishing up my time um, where I had been working, I was noticing more and more people were coming to me. I had this cube that kind of backed up to a window. Mm-hmm. And I, a friend that I worked with gave me this ridiculous inflatable recliner chair thing <laughs> that I thought was hysterical. And so, of course, I left it up in my cube. But people would come and sit in that chair, and they all of a sudden I noticed they're telling me things. And there's always been, like, a part of me that's like, I wonder – what had happened if I had stayed in that position, if there was, like, that was my way of sort of offering grace and a glimpse of who Jesus is in my life and who Jesus could be in their life. But 
I just had too bad of a case of indigestion. I had to get. That's funny because I had a similar, like people would just always show up at my door and say, do you have a second? Uh-huh. Can I talk to you about something? Or did you know? You know. And, and you're like, like, I know everything. And yes, I, I know. <laughs> and sometimes they would start to tell me and then not. And I'd be like, okay. And they'd be like, you don't care what I was going to say? And I you're was like, like, no. Not. I mean, you know, first of all, I did share. not invite you right? in. <laughs> you just. <laughs> so. I got stuff to do. I. Like, I uh, <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I did people also say, I wish I could do what you're doing. A hundred percent. Exactly. I'm like, you can just do it. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So to how are we doing on time? Anybody have a week? I mean, okay. Well, I want to close with one more thing, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. So I wanted to there was a part of my call story that I wanted to tell. But Dave was like, I just feel like, you know, we got to keep it tight. And of course, I was like, well, you could give up five minutes of your he sermon could, time and wink, give me wink. five minutes to tell more about my I call was like, story. Jamelin coming but whatevs, up? you know. Um, so when I was in sales, um, I actually worked for this amazing woman. And um, our director of marketing for the corporation had, was in our sales office. And our sales office was, at the time, was one of the better in the company. So we got a lot more attention, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And anyway, he, you know, and you know how, like, sales offices are. It's hustle and bustle. And back then, too, like, we didn't, cell phones were just coming on the oh, scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of people came back to the office because you couldn't do things remote. Right, like, if right. you wanted to turn in orders or whatever. Yeah. So this particular day, it was really busy. There were a lot of salespeople in there. And all of a sudden, over the intercom, it's like, what's funny is I can't remember this man's name. His his story is so much a big part of my story, and I couldn't tell you his name if you gave me a million dollars. So let's call him John. Oh, well, not John, because John's our producer. Let's call him Max. Okay. Okay. So Max is like, um, I need everyone in the conference room or whatever so we all and that never happens by the way so we all come in and he's like um I need to share something with everyone and to be honest I'm not supposed to go public with this yet but something's just nagging on me that I need to tell you all and he said um at the end tomorrow there'll be a corporate-wide memo that goes out announcing my resignation that I'm um going back to school to get my um, master's of social work. Oh. And he said, I never meant to end up in marketing. <laughs> I took this, he took a job with like the local phone company, which then got bought, which then get bought mm-hmm. when I was in college. And then when I graduated, I thought I'd work for a year, save some money and then go back to school to get my master's. And he's like, and now it's been 20 years. Oh, wow. And I just feel like I need, I still need to do this. Well, I knew exactly why he called everybody together, because in that moment, I had been accepted to Duke, and I was trying to decide if I should work eight more months, Mm -hmm. save more money, Mm -hmm. and then start school in the fall versus as a January student. And I was really struggling with that decision. And in that moment, I was like, no, it's time. It's got to be now. Uh Fast forward four months from that, from like when I started Duke and that company had to file bankruptcy Mm -hmm. and I would have been probably not without a job, but one of the people on the chopping block and also like all of the things like my stock options, 
all that kind of stuff, all of that would have been out the window. That is, you know, and I would have missed four months of school, you know, when I could have gone. So I've always been really thankful that he, you know, answered that nudge because Mm -hmm. it made me say, no, it's now. Like, I'm, I'm doing it. That's you know. another thing people can pay attention to, right? What What are people that you just are in relationship with somehow saying that resonates with what you're thinking oh. or feeling called to do? Because yeah. those are also, I think, God's way of being like, okay, like you should be listening or this is I, my voice again. Around that same time, I was in the office on a Saturday, which was rare, and a f- very good friend of mine called me at the office looking for me. Again, mm-hmm. people, no cell phones. Yeah. And she was going through a very difficult time, and I was just listening and talking and offering her, I mean, a few suggestions. Keep in mind, I'm 22, right. 23. What do I know <laughs> at that right. point? At the end of the conversation, she says to me, have you ever thought of being a pastor? I think you'd be really good at it. Uh. And little did she know that that was all I had been wrestling with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and so you're right. Like listening, God, I think God does put voices or mm-hmm. puts messages and friends and family yeah. to kind of help us know absolutely what the next direction is. So, you know, you could think you're just having coffee with a friend and it turns into this incredible holy moment where all of a sudden you leave thinking, am I supposed to do this? Am I right. supposed to start yeah. my own business? Yeah. Am I supposed to move to Haiti? Am, you know, who knows, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, and ideas that you sort of haven't had on your own that come but that resonate, pay, be attentive to that. Yeah. Well, we are um, at the end of our time, and once again, I appreciate um, having a chance to share that little last story. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Well, we um, will be back next week. Talking about leadership. Leadership, which, as you can probably imagine, is a topic Kim and I love a lot. (laughs) So as sevens, we're in it to win it. Seven with a strong eight Seven with a strong eight. We like making decisions. We like being asked to make decisions. I always tell people, I've got all kinds of opinions. And I'll share them with you. Yep, yep, exactly. All right, have a great week, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye.